This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by the Top Producer Summit, held February 5th through 7th in Kansas City. Register now for a schedule packed with the nation's top farmers and leaders speaking on important industry topics. All at the 2024 Top Producer Summit in Kansas City. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McRae. Dean Wysocki joins us to discuss the LRC model and the long-range weather forecast for the U.S. this year. Which areas can expect drought and what regions will receive the best rainfall? Will it be an early or late planting season? We cover that and much more on this week's Farming the Countryside, brought to you by the 2024 Top Producer Summit. I'm a farmer that likes to learn, and there are a lot of options out there, both online and in person, to gain knowledge on all kinds of topics that impact agriculture and beyond. One place I'll be this winter to learn is the Top Producer Summit, February 5th through 7th in Kansas City. Each year, you can count on the Top Producer Summit to bring together some of the nation's and world's top farmers and ag leaders to discuss, share, and learn from one another. It's a schedule with lots of topics of interest for just about everyone. And with a location central in the country, it's a place many of us can get to without a long trip. I'll be at the Top Producer Summit once again, and I hope you'll join me to get the latest tips and trends on critical topics in agriculture. Just go online to register for the Top Producer Summit 2024 in Kansas City. Dean Wysocki is the chief meteorologist for Flag Family Media in Fargo, North Dakota. Not only is he a trusted voice in the Red River Valley when it comes to weather, but he joins us this week to discuss the long-range weather outlook for the country. As you'll hear, the foundation of those forecasts is something called the LRC. He'll describe the origin and science behind it, but it has quickly become an important model combined with the usual drivers we hear, El Nino and La Nina, among others. And when put together... They generate forecasts that have received a lot of attention for their accuracy. Dean Wysocki is joining me, and Dean is back again this year. We're talking weather, and specifically the LRC model. We'll jump into that very quickly, but also looking at some trends for winter and on into spring and even summer in a lot of our growing regions. Dean, first of all, thanks for joining me once again. And why don't you got to give folks a quick overview if they've not heard of the LRC model before, because that's really what these predictions and forecasts are based off of. Sure. Well, th- Andrew, thank you for having me on uh, on your podcast here and appreciate that again. Always a good time and always fun talking about the LRC and educating people on how it works. What is it? Um, the LRC stands for LEZAC Recurring Cycle. And it's a new and I'll call it an innovative way to uh, forecast long-term uh, weather patterns, uh, whether it's droughts, warmer than normal, below normal. When When is the rain going to hit? Uh, and it, the LRC is based on a cycling weather pattern. Each year, each LRC cycle is different. It's unique every year. Uh, it usually starts right around October 6th, right in that general time frame, when the North Pole goes into total darkness up there. And that's when the new LRC cycle starts all over again. Each year is different, starts right around that same time frame. And what we'll look for is what are the weather patterns right around October 6th? We'll kind of take a snapshot of that. And each LRC cycle length each year, it's a little bit different. Uh, I think last year was 
uh, 50 to 52 days. This year is a little shorter than that. And we'll look for that same pattern that starts around October 6th to cycle back. And once we once we see that on our upper air charts, that same pattern coming back around, we know the cycle is then set. And then whatever storms happen between October 6th and when that cycle was set, then we can kind of time those out when they cycle back around and uh, generally produce similar weather in your area uh, throughout the next year into spring, summer, uh, and then fall. So it's a really, really unique way to, uh, to forecast long-term. There's only about 10 meteorologists in the country that know how to use it. Um, and again, Gary Lezak, he's the one that founded this, and uh, he's been doing years and years of research on this. He has, a, he has his now patent-pending LRC model uh, that he uses, and it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's fascinating. It really is. I know when I was first introduced to it, along with many other people, they're, they're thinking, you know, this isn't something we were taught in, in college, in school. So this was something new. And, you know, anytime there's something new, there's always a lot of skepticism to it. So I was a skeptic at first, and boy, I'll tell you what, uh, firm believer in this right now. And this is really huge for our ag community as well. Well, you mentioned those cycles and that this year's cycle is slightly shorter than last year's cycle. Of course, if we know the timing of that, then we still have to know, okay, how much precip, how's the, the, the temperature and so forth surround that. So how do you begin to put those pieces together to determine, okay, I know the cycles now, but how do I didn't determine, okay, how much precip I'm going to get in certain areas? How's the temperature going to fluctuate and so forth? Sure, sure. Well, I mean, the LRC is is, is uh, as the centerpiece of the what we call the atmospheric puzzle. And so think when you when you put a puzzle together with your kids or whatnot, uh, and you're and and you're trying to fit all these pieces of the puzzle together. Uh, that's the LRC is the big piece. We've got El Nino, uh, which is very strong uh, this this winter. That is expected to hopefully die out a little bit as we head towards spring and into the summer months as well. But the LRC again, once we get that cycle length set, we'll look where those storms are. Now they can fluctuate north and south, but you get what's called these target zones. I know the Red River Valley was one of those target zones last year uh, where we received copious amounts of snow uh, and, and that moisture kind of uh, lessened itself during the summer months. Uh, this year, the target zone appears to be uh, the, the southern plains, the areas from, uh, oh, let's say, Kansas, Missouri, um, down into Oklahoma, Arkansas, and eastward. Those are the target zones this year. And now... We'll, so what we'll do is we'll look where these storms are cycling through. And the first cycle, uh, they've been targeting areas to the south. Uh, and when I'm saying south, I'm talking south of the northern plains. So they've been targeting areas of central and uh, southern plains, uh, east coast as well. And that will continue to be the trend as we head throughout at least the spring months, uh, which is great for planting season. Now, as a jet stream weakens and El Nino weakens, uh, that that track should shift a little bit uh, further north into parts of the central plains, possibly as far north as the northern plains, but not very confident in that. I, I know last year uh, it was a little dry in the northern plains, and, and, and this year, unfortunately, we're looking at probably some of the same. I, I think we'll probably see drought conditions, unfortunately, rear its ugly head uh, back in parts of uh, North Dakota and uh, northern and central Minnesota. 
Let's talk for just a moment about, you mentioned the, the target zone and so forth. So far this winter, it has been very mild compared to last winter when we had- It's been crazy, lots, yeah, hasn't it? Lots of snow, in, especially in the north. So temperature-wise, are you expecting the temperatures to remain relatively warm? And then you mentioned that target area, you know, more of the southern plains is, I'm guessing it will stay warm enough that that is mostly rain and not snow this winter? Correct. I mean, they'll get their shots of, of cold air. Uh, I'll give you a good example. Uh, when, and it's when those two come in combination together. Uh, Wichita, Kansas has had more snow than Fargo, North Dakota. Uh, I mean, come on. That's just, that's nuts. Uh, but that's kind of, you know, when you get the cold air to dump in and the storm track to kind of merge, you're going to get those win wintry precip events, even in the southern plains uh, this upcoming winter. But a majority, yeah, will be will be on the rainy side. But again, uh, for the northern plains, it's just, it, it's starved for snow. Now, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of really high praise from the farmers. Hey, thanks for the warm weather. This helps us save money on hay. Uh, you know, our livestocks, our livestock, they're still out in the fields grazing. That's fine and dandy for now. But when it comes springtime and we're hurting for that moisture, that's not going to be a good thing. Well, you know, you're up there in Fargo. Last year you had so much snow, but then you did have a drier season later on. But did you accumulate enough moisture in the winter season that got you through at least part of that summer drought? Thankfully, yes. Yeah, thankfully. I mean, we had uh, 67 inches of snow up here uh, last season. Uh, this season, we'll come nowhere near that. We'll be lucky probably to get 30 inches of snow up here. So we had enough moisture last year to to penetrate the moisture or penetrate the, the soil there and get some subsoil moisture in there. That helped a lot when it came to spring uh, spring planting. Unfortunately, this year we're gonna have to we're gonna have to bank on some some timely rains come spring uh, to help with the growing season. As a reference point, what would be the average snowfall for Fargo? Average is right around fifty inches. Okay, so we we're good. We we're good seventeen above that last year, and we're going to be good twenty inches below that this year. So, as we look at the remainder of the winter, then, as far as snowfall, is there any place that we expect to have above average snowfall in the U.S. Then, well, you know, it's it's been quiet so far, um, but I think areas. Um, gosh, I'd like to say I think southern Minnesota will catch up late spring. Um, I think uh, Kansas, uh, parts of Missouri, that's central southern parts of Missouri, uh, southern Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, um, Arkansas, those areas I think will have above normal moisture for this uh, for the upcoming winter, um, at least near normal to a little bit above normal. And, and parts of uh, western Kansas, uh, western Texas, they were in severe drought uh, last year, and I think they're going to get a little bit of break from that this year. Um, still some severe drought conditions going on, uh, even along the Gulf Coast from areas. Uh, Louisiana has been just shrouded in severe drought conditions. Heck, the Mississippi was so dry uh, that the Gulf was backing up into the Mississippi. They should catch up as well uh, this coming winter and spring on, on some uh, above normal precip there as well. So conversely, then on the dry side in the winter, northern plains at least where you're at sounds like it's going to be less rainfall or snowfall than normal are there other parts of the country with less precip in the winter do we think basically northern parts of montana uh wyoming uh even into the great lakes uh, outside of the lee of the lakes where they're going to get lake effect snow 
um, is going to be uh, a pretty dry, drier than normal for this time of the year, and even in the spring as well. So we think about farmers and we head into spring. As we do that then, how does this forecast set up as far as where where we might be farming? Because a lot of folks are listening to us all over. Good spring, slow spring, uh, warm spring. I'm sure it matters depending on where you where you live. Warm spring, <laughs> warm spring. Uh, that's for northern central plains. Uh, basically, the entire most of the midsection of the country. Uh, and again, a lot of this is influenced by uh, El Nino conditions. Now, that's not saying we're we're not going to get our Arctic air outbreaks. In fact, it's been on the other side of the pole. Areas around Siberia, uh, they've been minus 70, which that's even cold by Siberian standards. So we're waiting for a chunk of that to cross the pole. We just haven't had that jet stream align correctly enough. Now, I, I think towards the end of January into February, we're going to see a chunk of that come over. But, you know, it doesn't look like it'll be long lasting, maybe a week or so. Uh, and then as we head into March and April, we'll get a brief shot of some cooler air in early March throughout the northern and central plains. But, man, we warm right back up again. So if we're worried about a late start to planting season, I don't see it. I think it'll be an early start for many this year. You know, you mentioned about the poll there, and I read Gary's blog and, and so forth. Is that common that the, the cold air is on one side of the pole or the other, and it just happened that Siberia got all the cold uh, for this winter? Yeah. And no, it happens. It does happen. And, and uh, this is just one of those years. This room almost reminds me of uh, the winter of 2020. Uh, we didn't get much here in the Northern Plains at all. And unfortunately, that following year, we did have some pretty dry conditions as well. Uh, or that following planting season, we did. But in terms of the cold, sometimes it will get locked over there. But even, even Canada, uh, lack of snow cover, especially in Southern Canada, most of it's been Central and Northern Canada. So it's just... It's been uh, a, a non-start to winter uh, on, on this side of the pole. <laughs> you mentioned then the warmer and perhaps uh, drier spring, or at least people can get in for planting. What do things stack up then into the summer? Do we see areas of drought creeping back in? It seems like you mentioned there Red River Valley might be one of those places that has drier conditions. Yeah, I think uh, an area from... Uh, southern North Dakota, west central Minnesota, stretching down into uh, areas of northern South Dakota, could be under some some drought conditions, it looks like. that Those are the target areas we're kind of worried about uh, as we head into spring and summer. The further south you go, uh, towards southern Minnesota, uh, northern Iowa, uh, Nebraska, uh, I, th- I think those areas will play, I'll call it catch-up moisture, as we head into the spring. I, I'm not seeing a whole lot in terms of snowfall um, for those areas this winter. Although, like I said, I think the back half, the back half of winter uh, might be a little stormier than uh, that than the first than the start of it so far. When you joined me last year about this time, uh, we were talking a lot about California and they had such huge snowfalls out there. I think it's always interesting. It seems like <laughs> the West Coast seems to to go back and forth between way too much and not nearly enough. I'm just curious, right? what, what does the West Coast look like this year? Well, I'll tell you, and, and here here's a great example of how the LRC works much better than these climate models work. So on a typical El Nino season, um, which we have a very strong El Nino right now, usually the West Coast, especially Central and Southern California, into the desert Southwest and into New Mexico, those areas just get blasted with storm after storm after storm. 
That's your typical El Nino year. And the Climate Prediction Center said that was what was going to happen this year. That has not been the case. In fact, uh, the LRC model predicted drier than normal conditions from central Southern California through Arizona and New Mexico. And that's exactly what's panning out. Uh, and like last year, see, each El Nino, each La Nina is different. That's why we use the LRC as a central piece of the puzzle to forecast. Last year, the LRC forecasted above normal precip and snow for the West Coast into the Sierra Range and the desert Southwest, while the Climate Center said, no, it's La Nina. That's always dry there. No, it's not. And the LRC proved that last year where all, most of the reservoirs got refilled they were a bone dry i know lake mead uh was was extremely low and all of that got refilled last year so this year uh kind of the opposite it's not your typical el nino year where now the moisture is being shoved into northern california and the pacific northwest where they've had record amounts of precip um and leaving the southern part of the west coast uh, abnormally dry and i don't see that changing now they'll get a few systems in from time to time uh, but, you know, nothing that's uh, nothing like last year there either. One of the things the LRC model does, and I know I've seen Gary post and, and talk about this quite a bit, is just severe weather. Hurricanes, tornadoes, as we look forward to this year, more active season, not as active. What do we know so far? Not nearly as active. In fact, uh, so far this uh, this late, eh, late fall, because late fall into early winter, it's been outside of a few uh, pretty strong outbreaks. I know we had one in Tennessee um, this fall and and along the Gulf Coast as well. Uh, it's been pretty quiet. It was a quiet end of summer into fall in terms of severe weather. We expect that to carry into the spring as well. So it should be a less active, less than normal active uh, severe weather season. Now, you know, you get one or two of those big outbreaks, and that it makes it look like it was an active season. But overall, uh, for this coming spring, uh, it should be much less active uh, than it was last year. I've heard you speak about this before, but the farmers around your area that follow the LRC model, has that changed the way they farm as far as how they look ahead to planting and harvest and so forth? Because you've been doing this for a while in that area. Right. And well, I mean, you know, for next year, most of most of our ag community has already purchased their seeds uh, for what they're going to use next year. Could they change that up knowing that, hey, we've got drought conditions uh, are, are, are at least a 60 percent likelihood as we head into uh, into spring? They could. And uh, I've talked to a few farmers up in the area and um, they try to adjust around the LRC. They haven't gotten to the point where, all right, we're going to change our crop now, knowing that we that we are going to experience drought conditions or at least highly likely to. But, you know, it's it's very useful for for numerous things from, you know, when are we expecting these heat waves? When are we expecting the wetter months or the wetter weeks at least? Uh, so then we, you know, they can they can kind of tailor their, their farming uh, according to that. Thinking of our farmer listeners here, just as you look across the, the nation, are there any messages you would want to get across to any specific area of the country or maybe in general just from a farming or ag outlook of, hey, be sure to think about this or watch out for this this year because it's going to be different than what we've seen previous. Yeah, I think it's uh, what we're looking at this year in the Northern Plains is drier than normal conditions. And, you know, obviously the last thing we want is is another drought setting in. We in the, at least when I say we here in the Northern Plains, 
we are going to have to really, really benefit from timely rains. We're not going to say, and, and that is typical in the summer. Um, I talked to a couple farmers up here where one side of their farm, they had uh, great yields on soybeans. I think it was, uh, oh, what did he say, 50, 55 bushels or, or maybe a little bit higher than that. And on the other part of his farm in the same county, uh, he was down to about 25 bushels. So just from one part of his farm to the other, and that's what I mean, timely rains and aerial rains as well. I think we're going to see more of that this year in the Northern Plains. I think it'll be a little less, there'll be less drought conditions the further south you go into the Central and Southern Plains. So I, I think for target zone and drought conditions is going to be, unfortunately, the Northern Plains. You were telling me off air that the website has been revamped. And so people can go and check out some things that are very specific. So I want you to be sure to talk about that. But also, if people then decide to subscribe, it's county-level weather, correct, that they get during the season? Yeah, ex- exactly. So Gary charges, and you can go to weather2020, that's weather and then 2020.com. There's his website there. Uh, if you want, And if you like what you see, you can subscribe on there or go to weather2020.substack.com. And it's through there that Gary has a special for our ag community, $300 for the whole year. And you can get county-by-county county forecast. Uh, so that definitely helps it. And what it'll do is it'll break down uh, by your county when you can expect the wetter weeks, the drier weeks uh, throughout the year. In fact, just looking at, uh, I've got the LRC calendar here through June 30th. And starting in, I'll just use this as an example, mid-March going through the end of June, there's only one, two, three, four weeks from the middle of March through the end of June with above normal precip in uh, basically North Dakota and, and into Minnesota. And he can break that down for you by your county. His new website just had the whole thing revamped. And this is free. You can go on there, weather2020.com, and you don't have to be a paid subscriber for this, but you can go to... Uh, if you log on to his website and go to products, and then it'll give you kind of a tease to what you can expect anywhere in the country, pinpoint forecasting. He does a three months ahead forecast. You can click on that and find anywhere in the U.S. Click on your city, and he'll give you the outlook for the month of March, what, what days are expected to have precip, whether it's rain or snow, what the temperatures are going to look like. And he's, he's only doing it for the three month ahead for the month of March. Uh, if you're a paid subscriber, then you could you can upgrade that and get your uh, general city uh, on what uh, what to expect for um, longer than just the March the March time frame. I use that to uh, to gauge my uh, vacation to Arizona in March, so it better be right. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Dean, hey, I really appreciate the time. I know that uh, the folks up in your area not only appreciate your forecast, but your commitment to agriculture, and I appreciate the chance to visit with you and, and share about what you know, what you're seeing, not only with weather, but how it impacts agriculture across the nation. So thank you. Right, I'll, and I'll tell you what, um, Andrew. You know this: the LRC model is not only going to become the next generation of long-range forecasting, um, but this is going to be a huge, huge advantage uh, over the coming years as this model continues to develop and become more and more accurate. Uh, this is going to be a huge asset to our ag community. Um, already, it can predict. The the seven month outlook uh, using the LRC model is actually more accurate 
than your seven-day forecast on your app. That, that, that I mean, it's just, it, it is amazing. Is it perfect? Is it 100%? Goodness, no. But it definitely gives the upper hand to our ag community uh, for, for what's to come. And, and it's only going to get better. And as I think as the word spreads, like I said, this is going to really be the next generation of, of long-term forecasting. And it's, it's really starting to gain traction over the last few years. Gary was on Bloomberg TV for world's uh, greatest or newest invention. There's a link to that on his website as well. Things are really, uh, they're starting to advance using this LRC model and uh, really looking forward to what the next few years hold on it as well. Yes, Dean. It's very interesting. I appreciate the time. Andrew, thanks so much. Hopefully, Dean shared a weather forecast for your area that is to your liking. So far, it has certainly been a mild winter for many of us, so we'll see if that continues in the coming weeks. Thanks for joining me on this edition of our show. Remember, you can follow Farming the Countryside and our daily show, American Countryside, on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Just type in Farming the Countryside or American Countryside. And if you miss one of these shows, be sure to go to farmingthecountryside.com or your favorite podcast platform to scroll through the archive and find past shows of interest. I appreciate you joining me. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by the Top Producer Summit, held February 5th through 7th in Kansas City. Register now for a schedule packed with the nation's top farmers and leaders speaking on important industry topics. All at the 2024 Top Producer Summit in Kansas City.